0: This is Gridiron Graduates, a weekly podcast covering all things football. Episode number 40, Witnesses to the Spectacle, recorded April
1: 27th,
0: 2016. And yes, as you heard in that wonderful intro, we are the Gridiron Graduates, Bill Rossetti, Ian Wharton, hitting you guys back up for another week. And here we are, it is draft week... It's hard to believe it is finally here. Ian, my brother, welcome back. Uh, It's hard to believe it's here, man. Are you excited?
1: I am extremely excited. Um, It's kind of hitting me that this is the first year in two years, so, you know, the third year um, of really writing in depth. And this is the first year out of those three years that I'm not going to be covering the draft. Um, live which is great I have no writing assignments before or after the draft until I think I think it's until Sunday morning so after the draft like a wrap up Um, so I'm really excited for that because I like to just sit my butt on the couch all weekend I drink uh, some Lipton iced tea I don't like a lot of tea but I really like lemon iced tea from Lipton or no, I'm sorry, it's, it's uh, Arizona Iced Tea. Yes, Arizona. It's the one time of the year where I drink it, and it's just something I've done since I was like 12 years old. And so that's my plan for the weekend. So, um, yeah, I'm extremely excited, man. I've got my can of Orange Crush right here. I've got my Farmer's
0: Iced Tea, which is kind of a local thing for me, but oh, it's quite delicious. But, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go too. I'll be a... Uh, Enjoying it as you will as well. I got I don't have much going on so I'll just sit back and enjoy the ride. Um and I've already muted Jason Lockham for No offense to him, but I like watching the picks announced live. I don't like
1: spoiled yeah, picks. Definitely. That's that's not fun. It's really nice if you're writing about the draft, um, because last year specifically there was a huge delay between what the T V was showing and what Twitter was getting. And I can't remember who it was that was tipping the picks, but maybe it was Lock Fora. I can't remember if it was him or – I know he was, but I think someone else was doing it too. And they were, like, minutes before they were announcing it on TV. And when you're writing about it and live covering it, I had about 15 minutes to get one blurb up and grade it. And then I had two hours to get, like, a, a, an article length on it. So, like, even those few minutes made a huge difference. Oh, yeah, that's um, But this year, I'm going to pretty much stay off Twitter. Um, I'm going to tweet out some thoughts to some of the picks, um, as usual. But for the most part, I'm just going to enjoy the event.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, we'll jump into it. This, this will kind of be like a bit of a continuation from two weeks ago, talking about the rest of the teams. But uh, what we're first going to do... We'll uh, hit up some of the latest buzz, kind of some of the final buzz, I guess, as we get into the final uh, the final stretch here. Uh, so I'm just going to pull a couple names here from World's NFL draft blurbs. And Ian mentioned Miles Jack before we went on the air, so we'll start with him. Uh, I guess the news here that NJ.com reporting that the Giants have removed Miles Jack from their board due to health concerns. Obviously, his knee issue has been, or his knee's been an issue for seemingly a while, um, and it sounds like it's, the concerns are growing even more as we get closer
1: to the draft.
0: So uh, what's the latest you're hearing on Jack's knee and just kind of the buzz, where he might land?
1: Yeah, so today, you know, he had mentioned that he may need microfracture surgery um, in the future, which is not a surprise, by the way, um, I'm not going to act like I'm a doctor, but you know I do try to follow injuries fairly closely throughout different sports, and um, the reason being is I just I just find it very interesting to you know see what happens after certain injuries, and then um, and one thing I found is that microfractures really are a career killer. Um, within two or three years of a microfracture surgery, guys are, are basically zapped. And for those that don't know what that surgery is, is it's really the last ditch effort to save a knee. Um, it will happen when there's no cartilage in the knee, which Jack already has. So it wouldn't have to happen unless if another injury were to occur. Um, and then if there, another injury occurs, there's obviously no cartilage there to protect the knee from rubbing bone on bone and so what they do is they drill into the knee and they use the blood to hopefully kind of form almost like a cartilage type um, resistance so that it's not constantly bone on bone action which would be unbearable so um, you know it'll be it'll be you know it's it's an unfortunate thing but it it's one of those things where that's why when people say you know we can't take all of this stuff it's just all of these rumors and you know we have to throw them all aside it's not necessarily the case you know I think there's a lot more um, I think there's a lot more smoke screens that result around interest or revolve around interest than it does injuries Injuries, I think, are pretty legit. Now, it may just be one or two teams putting some of the info out there, but that's definitely for real, and teams are definitely concerned. I think his range is still probably between 5 and maybe 15. I don't see him getting past maybe Oakland, um, but it just depends. I mean, I, obviously, we don't have access to the, to the medical reports for each team, I really think that Miami would be interested in him. They've shown a tendency to be interested in injured players. Um, you know, They use a lot of sports sciences. Oakland can afford to take that risk. It's not really a short-term risk with him. It's a long-term risk. But my kind of thought here is that what you're getting in that rookie contract is what matters. If you can get 10 years out of a guy, that's great. But that shouldn't be the focus of a draft pick. The draft pick needs to be really good on their rookie contract, at least at some point, whether it be year three, four, or five. Uh, Miles Jack can probably be really good within his first year, um, depending on the role that you put him in. So, you know, I think he's worth that first-round pick, especially in this class, if the medicals say that he can play this year. And I don't think that that's the question. So I think I think he'll be fine... Um, hopefully he doesn't get hurt. and But you can say that for anybody. Any single injury, I mean, we saw it with Jalen Smith, who has a much more severe injury. You know, all it takes is one moment. And that Jalen Smith injury happened after the whistle. Um, Taylor Decker, the tackle from Ohio State, just kind of pushed him. I mean, it wasn't malicious or anything like that. He had just kind of shoved him down as the whistle was being blown. Um, and, you know, Smith fell awkwardly, and his career might never be the same now. So whether a guy has injury concerns or not, you could deal with that. And that's just the risk that's that's football, unfortunately.
0: I'm not going to lie, I was actually getting a little queasy as you were explaining the microfracture surgery.
1: Yeah, it's it's a crazy process. Yeah, like, it, it's sounds... awful. I would never want, I hope my knees never get that bad. No. Um So yeah, I, I I, I feel bad for Jack. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of who he is on the field. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a great athlete. I just, you know, there are people that are hyping him up to be the next Ray Lewis or the faster version of Ray Lewis. I just don't think that's fair. But he's a heck of a player. He's he's fun to watch, um, and obviously, I, I think he's a really good kid. So I, I hope he's successful, and and I hope that he doesn't have any more injuries for the sake of his long term post football career as well. Um, but you know, it's, it's scary for a team to look at that because as much as we want general managers to build two or three, four or five years down the road, only a couple of them have that ability and they may not even feel like they have that ability. So guys like Ted Thompson, you would think that he has ultimate job security, but you know, if you get too comfortable, that's a problem. And that's just kind of how the the, the nature of business and sport business is. So, um, don't be surprised. The teams seem to take guys who um, maybe don't have that long-term impact. Uh, It's it's head scratching for us, especially in the uh, the era of like Madden, when we can draft guys and um, do like a two or three-year plan. You know, for them and Madden, but unfortunately, only a few real-life teams do that. Cincinnati, uh, specifically the the Patriots, I mean, so it's only a select few. So, um, but I'm really excited, man, and, and you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where Jack goes. I think he's the ultimate wild card in this draft. I think he probably goes in the top 13 picks, so... Um, but who knows? Maybe he falls into day two, and then we'd really have some storylines to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I was scrolling through, I see a couple blurbs down.
0: It mentions about Miles Jack admitting, so don't worry, guys. I caught it. And <laughs> uh, He says, you know, it's nothing extreme. Down the line, possibly, I could have microfracture surgery, potentially. Who knows what will happen? He added that to play three years in this league would be above average. So... Uh, A couple other things I find interesting on here. Shout-out to our buddy Benjamin Albright. Congrats on the new gig at CBS Sports if you're listening. He got a tweet, or a text, excuse me, from a source today, well, Wednesday, depending on when you're listening, saying that a team would likely have to hop over the 49ers at number 7 to select Memphis quarterback Paxton Lynch. And you and I were talking before we went on the air that you know you found this interesting because you always felt that Lynch but San Francisco at 7 was always a potential landing spot for San Francisco anyway, which I agree with I think, you know, if the opportunity is there, I think San Fran should consider taking Lynch because of the kind of awkwardness they're creating with Colin Kaepernick, you know, all the constant trade rumors and the fact that they can't continue with Blaine Gavard as the starting quarterback. And Lynch, you know, he's a real good quarterback. I actually caught his a little bit of his uh, Gruden QB camp this morning. Um, obviously has the size you want in a quarterback at six, seven, And, you know, in a, in a Chip Kelly offense with a guy like uh, Carlos Hyde, could work out. What's your take on all this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a perfect fit. Um, I believe last week on our mock draft, I, I believe I picked Paxton Lynch. You did, and um, take Lynch at San Fran. Yep. Yeah, it just it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know whether San Francisco um, has just shielded their interest in him this entire time. Quite frankly, I mean, as soon as the, the Eagles officially had moved up for whoever doesn't go number one, I thought this would was perfect. Uh, it, it just it makes too much sense. You've got a great athlete, at quarterback with amazing size, a really good arm, um, a kid who got better every year in college. Now, he's not a perfect player. There are some things that you'd like to see him improve, and Chip Kelly can put him into a system that caters to his strengths. That's what he does best. That's what he is amazing at. And he's a really darn good coach in that regard, Um, especially for a young quarterback. And so... I just think this makes too much sense. He never drafted a young quarterback uh, with the Eagles, and I think that that ultimately was one reason why he failed, among some other reasons, along with the organization. They, they deserve some blame as well. And uh, But I think this is a chance for him to sell off Colin Kaepernick for whatever you can get. You keep Blaine Gabbert as a backup. Maybe even have Gabbert start right away if Lynch isn't ready. And then you, uh, you unleash... Lynch, whenever whenever he's, you know, ready to get on the field, get some experience, maybe give him, like, the Blink-Bortles experience where, you know, after four four games, eight games, that type of time frame, you get him in the games and start playing. And then, yeah, I mean, I think you build with he and Carlos Hyde to build a really fun team.
0: Uh, one more player from here I, I want to get your thoughts on, because I found this little bit of buzz interesting, too. Uh, I remember last week when I took Leonard Floyd to the Jets at twenty, and it felt like that was a bit of a reach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now the buzz is that he may go as high as number ten to the Giants.
1: Actually, and I would even go even higher. I think he could go as high as number five to the Jaguars. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because they—I think they're looking at that linebacker spot really hard, mm-hmm. and he's almost like he's a weird weird player like i don't i don't dislike him but i don't like him enough to take him that high um his best fit is like as an inside linebacker but he doesn't really have experience there and he's almost 24 years old so he's a strange prospect um but yeah no i'm glad that you brought that up because it's it the nfl likes him a lot more i think than maybe Maybe. draft yeah online and even media likes him um, which is, a you know, it's always fun to see how these play it out. I actually think that the online community uh, does a really good job with identifying players like this that don't end up working out. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, I'm, I had I read that as well, and I've even seen maybe some, some late hype that that Jacksonville could even pick him up possibly at five and, and once again shock the world. I mean, they've done it three years in a row where they've pulled out a pick that was, you know, a little bit of a head scratcher Although Bortles has worked out nicely, um, yeah. Dante Fowler I thought was a major re- reach. Um, I think Leonard Floyd would also be a major reach. And
0: before we continue, I just I just want to bring this up quick. I want to talk about it a little bit the whole Sam Bradford soap opera that just came up. You know now Sam Bradford. Seems like it's the whole. You know, I'm taking my ball and going home. You know, he's not showing up to voluntary camps because supposedly the eagle. I guess he feels betrayed that the Eagles want to move on from him, even though he really only signed a one-year guaranteed contract, and I mean he's getting 18 million dollars this year, 22 million guaranteed because four million next year is already guaranteed. I mean, it's it's not like the guy was the future of the quarterback position for the Eagles anyway, you know, if, if the Eagles didn't make this move, where, where was the team really going to go in a couple of years anyway, after Bradford, you know, gets into his early thirties. So, I
1: don't know, just a
0: bit of a mess there. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I don't think Bradford should be upset. You know, obviously he took the deal, I wasn't a big fan of the trade up for the Eagles. I thought they were sitting really nicely at number eight. Um, I don't really like the idea of taking the guy who's going to be 24 this year as a developmental quarterback. Because I, I, mean, I do think he's a guy that you really don't want to start for his first year, even second year. I think is you know I think he's a third round guy. So I mean, to me, I just I don't really like the trade up for Wentz. Maybe I'll end up being wrong, but. Um, you know, I I get their mindset. I don't think there's anything wrong with. If he's the plan for 2017, then that makes a lot more sense. Um, I don't know, obviously, if he'll be ready by then, but we'll see. So for Bradford's sake, I mean, I get that he's upset because he wants to be the long-term answer somewhere. But on the same foot, he's never proven that he is that guy yet. Right. So he's got his money. I think he should probably just show up to camp, compete. He's gonna probably win the starting job because he's the best quarterback in that camp,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I mean it, it. I I respect it because it's a it's about being competitive, and he wants that job. Like he wants to be, not necessarily given the job, but he feels like he's earned the job. And quite frankly, I mean, I kind of kind of agree. I mean, as far as on field play, they're not going to find a better guy right now. At this point, and there's not a better player right now in the draft. Um, as rookies take time to adjust to the NFL, he's the most prepared guy. So I get it, but they're not going to be able to trade him. I think there's a, probably a, going to be a major dead cap hit if they were to trade him right now. So I don't know why yeah, they would. It's
0: eleven million.
1: Yeah, so he's not going anywhere. I mean, it just it makes zero sense for the team to trade him. Um, quite frankly, for the player. There's no one out there with cap space that would trade for him besides maybe San Francisco. And again, if you're San Francisco, why would you give up draft assets when your team isn't really ready? Um, That's a roster that needs a lot of work. So it's not like when Philadelphia acquired Sam Bradford. They were pretty much ready to win, and it just didn't work out that way. So, I mean if they can get him for like a fifth or sixth round pick, I guess you do it, but if you're Philadelphia, why would you spend eleven million dollars on a fifth or sixth round pick? So like that that just wouldn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, I just looked it up on over the cap. It would be eleven million in dead money, and they would only gain one and a half million in cap space if they trade Sam Bradford. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's so, that's probably
0: probably not going to happen so with that i think we'll go ahead now and talk about some more of these teams talk more about team needs and whatnot and i'm going a little bit off of sports illustrated here i'm using chris burke's article Mm -hmm. and thanks to chris burke last week and john ledyard for joining us that was a lot of fun oh yeah uh, and Ian, thanks as always to you for carrying me.
1: <laughs> oh, no, not at all. It was a really cool, unique experience. I mean, to be able to do those, it's difficult because you got so many different minds and uh, we all look at the drafts you know, differently, Every everyone. So um, it's always a really fun experience just because you kind of see what people interpret as roster needs, what people interpret as positional values, and we'd all build our teams differently and um, value different traits and guys, so... Yeah, I thought it was really awesome.
0: So, uh, let's kind of continue where we were at. So, I believe, yeah, I think the last team we talked about was the Lions, because I think we went 1 through 16. So, I guess we'll start with the Falcons. Um, and SI here, has of right now, their biggest need is at safety. Other needs include guard, linebacker, and tight ends. Well, Titan feels like it's always going to be a need for them because they, uh, you know, you're never going to find another like Tony Gonzalez. But uh, you know, it feels like you know, edge rusher definitely to me too is a big need for the Falcons because they cannot get to the quarterback. This team has been one of the worst teams. They've gone, they've been a bottom five team in sacks each of the last five seasons. As crazy as that sounds,
1: huge, huge issue. Yeah.
0: So for me, definitely got to find an edge rusher. You know, Darren Lee's been talked about a little bit, and um, I want to get your thoughts too on a little bit on him because I haven't really gotten a full grasp on him. But uh, yeah, definitely an edge guy they need to get. You know, especially in a division where you have Drew Brees, you have Cam Newton, you have James Winston. So uh, maybe talk about that. Would Darren Lee potentially be a fit for the Falcons?
1: I think he's a great fit. He's not necessarily just a pure pass rusher. He's a guy that can kind of do it all. Um, But he's also so young and still getting experience that there's reason to believe he can be a significantly better player um, than what he is now. So I know some people don't like him, but I really do like him. Uh, He was put in a very unique role at Ohio State as an outside linebacker. Um, He was a weak side linebacker who also had some strong side responsibilities. I think he could play either role in the NFL. In a 3-4, I think he can play inside linebacker. But you don't have to just stick him into one role. He can blitz. He can spy the quarterback. He can drop back into coverage. He can run man-to-man. He needs some more experience. He needs some seasoning. He's 21 years old. He was a safety and quarterback coming out of high school. So, first time playing linebacker was these last two years, and it shows a little bit at times. And I think that that's where you want to see some improvement, but there's reason to believe he will continue to improve. He was an absolute playmaker at Ohio State when you put him in space, which is not easily said. Like That doesn't happen to teams um, or to players who are at a position for the first time in their career at the collegiate level in the Big Ten. So, he's a special player. I don't think he's an elite player, but I think he's a solid first-rounder. I would really like that fit, even if he's not necessarily that pure-edge guy.
0: Let's move on to Indianapolis, and we were talking, you know, during the mock. Uh, I know Chris gave them Jack Conklin. I believe it was Jack Conklin. Yeah. Because certainly... Right tackle is a need for them. You, know, you get, you got to improve that line because the line still kind of struggled last season. You got to keep Andrew Luck upright. Um, they also mentioned outside backer is a possible need, and again, throughout the offensive line and at safety. So, you know, if one of those guys are there, someone like Conklin, someone like Taylor Decker, uh, I could certainly see the Colts going after one of those guys because you know, it's all about protecting their big investment, namely Andrew Luck.
1: Yeah. So the late buzz here has been that it's going to be Alabama center Ryan Kelly, um, which makes a lot of sense. He's the best center that I've seen in four years of doing this. A lot of people say the same thing, same time frame, and that if you want him, you're going to have to jump the Colts, and it makes perfect sense. Uh, Jack Newhart and he – would be a solid start to a new revamped interior guard position. Um, I, I really would like that pick, and I think that even though the tackle position might be a little bit more valuable, I think that the interior line for them is so bad, um, and specifically center, that that would be the most massive upgrade they could make there. So if that's the way the rumors, if the rumors are correct, I actually would really like that move by Ryan Brigson. It definitely
0: would be a nice pick. Um, hey, protect that interior, especially in a division where you have a lot of beef in the middle of a lot of these lines. You know, Tennessee, a guy like Jarrell Casey. Um, obviously, with Houston's line, Jacksonville has some depth up front, so wouldn't be a bad call for the Colts if they take a center in the top twenty there. Uh, then we get to Buffalo at uh, 20, or excuse me, at the 19. They could use some help on the D line, and then maybe just some depth at other positions. I I noticed here too, you know, on the article, they mentioned quarterback as a need, which is pretty interesting to me. You know, considering how well they did with Tyron Taylor, but I guess this stems from the fact that maybe contract issues or whatever, or negotiation issues between the team and Taylor, so his future's kind of up in the air. So could could Buffalo maybe be a wild card to take a quarterback in round one, or, would they, or are they more likely to take one, say, later in the draft?
1: I, I think my guess here is that they're not going to take one round one, but I think that they might like guys enough to take one round one. Um, So although that might not be the name on the card, I think that they will take one day too. And maybe it's Christian Hackenberg, maybe it's Cardell Jones, I don't know. But um, it's shocking to me. You know, this is the best quarterback play that they've seen seen since Rob Johnson and Doug Flutie and Drew Bledsoe. I mean, that's not even an inspiring list there. So it's shocking to me how Rex Ryan has continually messed up the quarterback position. Um, They reluctantly gave him the starting job last year and then tried to even take it away last year by putting in EJ Manuel when he was banged up. And there was a little bit of controversy whether they'd stick with Manuel or go back to Taylor. Taylor's a decent quarterback. He's an average quarterback, but that's pretty impressive for a first-year starter. So I, I don't understand that interest. I think here that they've got to go defensive line. Uh, but yeah, i'd be I'd be really disappointed to see them go quarterback and give up on a good young one uh, in Taylor.
0: And who would you say like maybe one of the two Alabama D tackles or
1: um, yeah, I, I think uh, Robert Candice or Chris Jones out of Mississippi State, I think they need to go for a high a high upside pick. and uh, you know as a pass rusher especially, I think those two guys would fit really well. Maybe even like a Kevin Dodd out of uh, Clemson, maybe Shaq Lawson, if he's somehow still on the board. All right.
0: Jets are then up at number 20. And actually, I was watching NBC Sports this morning, and they were showing a NFL draft special. And they were talking to Josh Norris. Um, so I'm sure that made a lot of people happy seeing Josh's face on TV. <laughs> <laughs> His mock draft actually has the Jets trading up to number seven to get Paxton Lynch. So going back to what we talked about earlier about the trade-up, and here's a mock draft that actually has that potentially happening. Um, You know, when we talked last week when I made the pick, how a linebacker can help them to, to try to get Sheldon Richardson back on the D-line, but... Yeah, I guess with the issues with Ryan Fitzpatrick and them still not coming to an agreement, you can't rule out them taking a quarterback, and uh, that that would be a bit of a surprising move, but I, it, it's also something I could certainly see happening. If the Jets are that intrigued by a guy like Paxton Lynch, maybe they go ahead and make the move.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if Lynch is on the board, I would definitely take Lynch. I think he'd be a perfect fit for... Uh... Uh, offensive coordinator Chan Gailey, um, who has a great history of um, working with athletic quarterbacks like Lynch, but I don't think he's going to get there. And, you know, the interesting thing with with the Jets here is if, if, let's say, Lynch is gone, do you force the quarterback pick in, like, Connor Cook or, because he can play right away, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, I don't think he's a downgrade from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's very similar. In fact, I think he's going to go on the same career arc as he or maybe like a Kyle Orton. Right. And um, Or do you take a higher upside guy like Cardell Jones? Um, what's the stat? I, I know the coaching staff does not believe in Geno Smith, and part of that is he struggles with playbook and... You know, there's some football intelligence things there, um, but I think you saw on field too that he just he struggles with very basic things, and they they don't seem to trust him. So, it um they definitely need a quarterback, but they also need an edge rusher, and it's rare to need those two significant of positions. Those are the two premium positions in football, and they need they have needs of both, and yet they were almost a playoff team last year, which is shocking. So they're in a really unique situation. They've got to come come away with one of those two positions, in my eyes.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing about Connor Cook to the Jets, you know, like you said, it's kind of similar to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because this, is, you know, it's not like this is a high-powered offense. So, um, putting a guy like Connor Cook, it's a good offense for him. You know, he could just hand it off to the running back and. Make some throws here and there. And he obviously would have a good target in Brandon Marshall. And I'm still holding out hope for Jason Morrow. He's been my guy. I'm hoping this is the year he breaks out. But
1: Yeah, he's got to stay healthy.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a big part, too. Uh, so that takes care of the non-playoff teams. Now we get to the playoff teams. Washington sitting at 21. And... Safety is certainly a need for them with uh, Keyshawn Jarrett still dealing with his injury. And even just recently there was talk that uh, his play in 2016 may not be there. So, you know, you could be looking at a guy like Carl Joseph there at uh, 21, you know, maybe add some help along the offensive line or excuse me, the defensive line, and I guess offensive line too because, you know, you look at last week, John picked for the Redskins, and he took Ryan Kelly to try to
1: improve that offensive
0: line. So what's what's your take here on the Redskins?
1: Yeah, they're another team. They've got a lot of needs. Um, You look at the premium positions, offensive line, center, um, defensive line, they need a couple starters, they need a safety, like you said. I think those are the guys that you're going to look at. Uh, Ryan Kelly It's probably his floor. Um, if he's off the board, then you're probably looking at a guy like uh, Jerron Reed or uh, Carl Joseph. I think those are going to be the names that you're going to see with them. But I think it's a pretty predictable set of names for them. And, uh, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. They just they, they desperately need defensive talent, though. I
0: think there's, there's some talk, too. Maybe a wide receiver. Do you think that's possible for them?
1: Um, you know, I'd be surprised. They signed Anquan Bolden. Um, they've got Pierre Garçon. They've got Deshaun Jackson. They've got Andre Roberts. They've got um, Jameson Crowder. I mean, I think that's a pretty full wide receiver room. Um, now, if they want to get cheaper on the cap, then it's possible. Because if they want to shed some salary, cut Pierre Garçon, maybe even cut Uh, Deshaun Jackson they could if they took a guy like Will Fuller that could easily be doable because then you're basically just swapping him out for a younger version So um, I'd be really surprised because Scott McLuhan doesn't really go towards that direction, he tends to go towards you know, the the trench play and the more physical guys over wide receivers and stuff like that, so that would be kind of surprising for me
0: uh, but a team that could definitely use a wide receiver picks a twenty-two, and that's the Houston Texans. Um, you know, and it seems like a lot of mock drafts. This is about the spot where actually the first receiver gets taken off the board. So the Texans could have their pick if they want to go receiver in round one. They could go Treadwell. They could go the hometown one, Corey Coleman, Josh Dotson. You know, gotta get some help opposite Deion er, yeah, DeAndre
1: Hoffman. Yeah. You know,
0: guys like Nate Washington and them, they're not scaring anybody. Nope. Jalen Strong, we thought he was going to be a good player, but then he went and was a bit of a goof this off season. so his future is up in the air. But, yeah, it seems like this offseason so far has all been, been all about improving the offense, really building the talent. You know, you brought in your big-money quarterback in Brock Osweiler, which is still surprising that he got the money he did. But... Nonetheless, he got his money, and you bring in Lamar Miller. So now it's, like I said, now it's, it seems like it's all about surrounding them. So wide receiver, to me, is probably the most likely spot they go in in round one. Again, yeah, obviously, it depends on how the board falls for them, too.
1: Yeah, I agree here. And it's going to be interesting to see which direction they go. They could go with a speed wide receiver like Corey Coleman or Will Fuller. They go with big wide receivers like Laquan Treadwell, um, Doc, Josh Doxon, Michael Thomas. And so, you know, I'm really interested to see which way they go. I'm I'm, I'm almost 100% sure it's going to be a wide receiver. Um, so I'm really fascinated as far as which one they choose. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you here. This just seems like an obvious pick, of uh, at least in terms of position.
0: And then we get to another team that could use a wide receiver. Because now we're going to... There's a very good chance here we could be looking at three straight receivers taken in the uh, early to mid-20s here. Because we get to Minnesota at 23, and boy, could they use help at wide receiver too. Uh, Because really... They don't have a lot there. Yeah. You know, they cut their... They cut one of their top... uh, one of the top-producing players from last season, even though, of course, Mike Wallace was always a bit of a diva and never a great fit for that offense anyway. Yeah. But um, and I think it was you who was talking about it too. I think it was you I got this from. If they get a guy like Josh Dotson, that would really help the deep ball of Teddy Bridgewater. Yep. Because, like you said, he can he could help... Teddy build that trust on the deep ball, he er, and help him build that confidence too, because Josh can can go up and make those contested catches, and um, you know really allow Minnesota to stretch the field. So they can get a guy like Josh with that twenty third pick. If if they stay there, this is going to be a fun offense to watch, and you know they'll definitely they would definitely be in contention to win the division and. I mean, hell, they should have won a playoff game last season.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and here's the thing on Josh Doxson. He's my top wide receiver in this class, and I really like some of the other receivers in this class, too. I really like Michael Thomas. I really like uh, Laquan Laquan Treadwell. Um, But Doxson, to me, is my favorite based off of 2015. And I would take him, in my own personal mock, I would take him eighth overall. So I think he's a top 10 talent in this class. I think he'd be a great fit for the Browns. Um, But real life and prediction-wise, I think he's going to slide to the 20s. He's a little bit older. He's not overall very thick in his frame, and he's probably maxed out as far as his frame goes. And the NFL is going to dock him for that. Um, But that doesn't mean he's not a really good player. And I think that he's a perfect guy for Teddy Bridgewater. In this situation, Uh, he's a guy, he could help any offense, but especially Teddy, who hasn't had a good receiver since Devontae Parker, um, or at least least I should say a dominant vertical receiver um, since Devontae Parker. Stephon Diggs is a nice receiver. But, um, yeah, I think that's a no-brainer pick there. They they have to go wide receiver here. They probably need to go wide receiver again in even maybe like the third round or fourth round because that's how bad their receiving core is.
0: Yeah, off the top of my head, they have Stephon Diggs, and I think Charles
1: Charles Johnson, Charles trump juris trump. Wright. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's slim pickings.
0: Because mm-hmm. yeah, Cordell Patterson certainly hasn't panned out. He seems to be more of a special teamer, you know, yeah, kick returner. That's about it. Yeah. But hey, at least two of their first round picks from that year panned out, so it it worked out. That's right. All right, so following the Vikings, it's the Bengals. And, again, here's, like I said, could see three straight receivers. Now, of course, I didn't pick a receiver when we did the mock last week, but they very well could go with a wide receiver because they're going to need someone opposite A.J. Green now. Marvin Jones is in Detroit. Mohamed Sanu is now in Atlanta. So who's going to step up? Who's going to take the pressure? off of A.J. Green. I mean, yeah, you know, Tyler Eifert is there in the middle of the field, but you still need someone on, on that opposite side. And luckily for the Bengals, they'll still have a choice of some really good receivers, even if the Texans and Vikings both take a receiver ahead of them. Um, then certainly could use some pass rush help, some interior help, as Chris mentioned. Uh, Peco is – probably nearing the end of his run with the Bengals, so a couple options there for the Bengals at 24.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm almost tempted to go in another direction than wide receiver, but again, I'm a big fan of this class, so I could see it go either way. I would go wide receiver if I'm them, if it plays out how we've talked about, but um, they definitely have some needs at linebacker, um, defensive line, like you mentioned, and uh, you know, definitely, definitely want to address the wide receiver position before long, though. Mm-hmm.
0: Twenty-five is Pittsburgh. Uh, so if John's listening, we'll we'll do our best to help you got help you out here. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they mentioned safety is a big need, and you could certainly see that. Got to get someone opposite Mike Mitchell. You know, definitely going to start improving that. That defense, um... Actually, here, they're pretty much saying they can use help all over the defense.
1: Yeah. They need edge rushers. Mm -hmm. They need maybe the middle linebacker help. Um, you know, long-term, because Timmons is very expensive.
0: Yeah, how much help does
1: he have? Exactly, exactly. And how much you're going to keep paying him? Ten million dollars a year. Um cornerback, they, they could certainly use another cornerback. So, for them, this is about best player available. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to probably come a cornerback. This seems like the right range to start seeing some of these corners come off the board. Um, or even maybe a safety. You know, this, this is the right range for like that second tier of safeties. But, yeah, I mean this, it's, a, it's a, not a bad defense. They were a bend-don't-break unit last year. But, it's hard when you're making a youth movement and You know, you haven't made huge investments into the unit over the last two or three years. That's why you you have to be proactive in addressing your needs. Um, Maybe do it like a year out if possible or be able to or be willing to move on from guys a year too soon and maybe a year too late. Um, Because right now they've just they've got holes all over and it's they're not going to be able to fill them all this year. Right. Um, you know, I liked some of their draft picks last year. Duran Grant, I thought, was a nice pickup. Um, they kept him on practice squad all year last year. I think he's a, he's a contributor this year, if uh, if he's cleaned up some of his issues. But you know, still they need that immediate help at safety, immediate help at pass rusher, and long term, which is really just short term, so two to three year help at cornerback.
0: And I saw a blurb on Rotterworld that one of their beat writers is, is saying the Steelers have apparently pegged Eli Apple as their guy. Well, uh, so quick talk about
1: Apple and the potential fit he could have with the Steelers. Well, one, I don't think he'll make it to them. <laughs> I'd be a little bit surprised if he falls that far. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a well-built kid. He's six foot tall. He's 200 pounds. Uh, he is, he's got the NFL frame, and he's a young kid. He's only 21 years old. Um, At Ohio State, he played mostly in cover two, cover four, zone coverages. That's what Ohio State specializes in, and they played in that scheme for a long time. Um, Got great length. He doesn't now at Ohio State. He wasn't coached to find the ball. He was coached to play the hands of the receiver. It's which is I don't love that, you know, admittedly, because it limits the amount of times you're going to find the ball, and it limits the. the The amount of times that you're going to have a better chance at avoiding pass interference calls. Um, he was called for seven pass interferences over the last two years, and so he's a little grabby because he doesn't find the ball. So that's something that you want to find out. Can he find the ball? Is it natural to him, or is he going to be a little bit limited? Now, it doesn't mean he can't be a really good corner because he doesn't find the ball overly really well. It just means that there's a higher amount of... Uh, uh, but, uh, there's a higher margin for a greater margin for error and uh, by not finding the football in, in midair. So hopefully that's an area he can improve. It's hit or miss as far as guys improving that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. to be honest, um, Ronald Darby did better in Buffalo than he did at Florida State and but to the contrary you look at guy like um, Xavier Rhodes, he hasn't really gotten much better about it. He did in 2014. 2015, he kind of reverted back a little bit. So it's hard to be able to tell whether guys actually get better at that or is it just natural to them that they find the football. Mm
0: -hmm. So we'll move on to Seattle at 26. And you can almost pluck any offensive lineman, and it would probably be an instant upgrade. Yeah. Because this is arguably one of the worst offensive lines in the league right now. And this was even with Russell Okun as their left tackle. He's not there anymore. He's in Detroit, or excuse me, he's in Denver. So you have to think a first-round lineman is possible here. Uh, so it, it's also a spot where you know we could see that Texas A&M streak continue. Could be uh, four years in a row that a A&M tackle goes in round one.
1: Yeah, he, Jeremy Ife or Jason Spriggs of Indiana seem like perfect fits as far as athleticism and uh, and talent and fit. I just, I think those are the two guys to me that stand out. I think that they should, one that both of them should be in consideration. Um, Gary Gilliam is supposed to move over to the left tackle position, which would obviously make I feed you the perfect fit because he's a natural right tackle, um, and he would fit their run blocking scheme as well. Jason Spriggs is a, a left tackle, and so if you want to keep Gilliam on the right side, you can just drop Jason Spriggs. And so if both of these guys are on the board, they're in a good position to have the ability to take the guy that they want to fit into their scheme, um, you know, right here in 2016. But they both have some flaws, and they both have some things to work on, but that's what you're going to get late in the first round.
0: Move to the Packers, who are sitting at 27. And, uh, yeah, I could, I could certainly agree with uh, Chris Burke's team needs that the Packers could use linebacker, because if they can find someone in the middle of the, to put in the middle of that defense – and finally, keep Clay Matthews outside full time. That would be outstanding for Green Bay. You know, not that not that Clay Matthews played bad inside, but we'd rather see him outside, get after the quarterback, get someone in the middle of that defense. You know, I'll, I guess I'll go ahead and say maybe the Packers. You know, maybe they're a wild card to trade up for someone like Reggie Ragland. I think Raglan would be a nice fit in the, in the middle there. Uh, and I think you talked about last week, too, they could use some help along the defensive line. Um, and then certainly, and then they have tight end as a potential need, too. Uh, maybe Hunter Henry if they want to go that route in round one, or if they want to wait for someone in day two. So, a couple ways the Packers can go here at 28.
1: Yeah, I think. They, need, they definitely need defensive line help kind of like we talked about last, last week it's such a deep defensive line draft that I think you can easily um, find those starters or those contributors on day two maybe just take back to back picks um, and take that inside linebacker that you've been needing for so long move Clay Matthews back to the outside uh, I think that might be the best way to go I really like Reggie Ragland. I don't know why people have soured on him just because he's not a super athletic linebacker. Um, I'd li- I think he's a darn good player, and I would certainly take him if I'm, if I'm the uh, uh, the Packers here.
0: And just remember, if the Packers do trade up for Reggie Ragland, you know where you heard it first.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs>
0: Chiefs sitting at 29. Uh, We talked last week how corner's definitely a need for them because they're they're without Sean Smith. Uh, Could use some D-line help now that Mike DeVito's retired. Um, Maybe some help elsewhere on defense. Maybe some depth on offense.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you here. I, I... They're a little bit interesting to me like because specifically when you look at the build of this roster and um, you look at the weaknesses, and, and that's where I'm looking at here, is that most GMs are going to go ahead and attack the weaknesses of a roster. And I'm saying, well, they don't have a lot. You know, The interior offensive line, they can maybe use another receiver, but not really. I like their receiving core. I like Macklin. I like Albert Wilson quite a bit. I like uh, Chris Conley developing, moving forward. Um, I like those guys. And then I'm saying, okay, well, yeah, interior line, that's a weakness. And then you're saying, well, defensively, they could maybe use a cornerback depending on the health status of some guys. Linebacker, maybe you could use some help long-term. Defensive line, maybe you take a guy early. So, they're really interesting to me. They're a hard team to get a field for, just because they're it's a well-built roster, and it's fairly deep at several positions so uh, I, they're a team that I struggled to get a good feed on
0: um and I, now that I think I'm screwing up the number the Packers are sitting at 27 Chiefs at 28 now we're at 29 with the Cardinals I saw you tweeting a bit too about specifically Patrick Peterson how you mentioned that he you know took another step in 2015. So, um, but they actually list corner as a need, I I guess, maybe a little bit of depth here and then some help on the uh, defensive back. And this could also be a potential surprise team to pick a quarterback at the back end of round one because, um, you know how much longer does Carson Palmer have? So, you know, could they t- maybe they take someone like Connor Cook or Christian Hackenberg, let them develop a bit under under Palmer and work with Bruce Arians, and then down the line take over as a starter. That, that's a potential scenario for round one.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see them go long term here, take their quarterback of the future. Um, well, you know, I think that's definitely in the uh, in the fold, possibly. What I would look at here is cornerback and say, we need to upgrade that outside cornerback position. Justin Bethel and Gerard Powers are slot cornerbacks. Um, now, they just paid Justin Bethel, and they used Tyron Matthew as a corner a lot, but still, they were at their best when they had uh, Antonio Cromartie playing. And so... You know, one, they could still go out and sign him because he is available. Um, But short of that, you know, I do think long-term it would be smart to grab a guy on a cheap rookie contract, uh, prepare for the future here, get a longer cornerback, maybe like a William Jackson III or Artie Burns because you can slowly cook them and you can bring them along. You can redshirt them in 2016. And then 2017, maybe let Gerard Powers walk in free agency. Um, you've still got Justin Bethel for another year after that. And so I think that might be the, the move here, is is take advantage of this window to take a talent that needs a year or two to start to, until they're ready to start um, and capitalize on that and then you know reap the rewards next year.
0: We'll get to the... NFC champion Carolina Panthers
1: at 30.
0: And obviously you have to talk about cornerback as a need now that Josh Norman is gone. Could use some pass rush. Could use some offensive line help because we saw the two tackles get embarrassed by the Broncos in the Super Bowl. So, And I know you also talked about the potential that they take Derrick Henry with that first pick.
1: Yeah. I think it's unlikely, but I would really like, them um, to pick him. I just, I, as soon as, you know, I think I said this back in like October when I was just like, Oh man, <laughs> that just is such a good fit. Like once, once Caroline started playing really well and like, we were like, okay, like this is not just a fluke. I think it was maybe around Thanksgiving actually when they played the Cowboys. Hmm. And then we were both like, "Okay, like this is the game. Like we're we're now believing in them a little bit." <laughs> and uh, you know, I think he'd just be a tremendous addition to that offense. But they could go a variety of ways. I mean, they could even justify another receiver. They could justify an offensive lineman. They could go pass rusher. They could go cornerback. It's not an overly strong roster. Like I know that they did great things last year, um, but they have a lot of room to improve. It's a good team. It's a really good team. And it's a good roster, but it's a roster that's that's certainly able to be upgraded, and that's an exciting thing I think as a GM to be able to say that we went seventeen and two last year, and I can upgrade this roster with my first two or three picks. You know that's not easy to say. Not every team can say that.
0: Mm-hmm. And almost last, because of course we still have one more team. Afterwards, but the last pick of the first round, of course, is the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. And very rarely do we talk about Super Bowl champs needing a quarterback. And, of course, that's what we have with the Broncos. You no know, more Peyton Manning, no more Brock Osweiler. But they do have Mark Sanchez. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, they could also maybe add... Who knows, and I think it was... I believe it was Jeff Legwell that I was listening to when I was watching the NFL Nation mock draft, mentioned how they took some players in the first round, even though they had some talent at the position already. He mentioned you know, they took Bradley Roby when they already had a keep to leave and Chris Harris. They took Shane Ray last year when you already had Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware. So that's a that's a direction they can go in too. And then of course they're there's always the possibility that they they swipe a quarterback with this pick, too. Maybe this is where Christian Hackenberg goes. So a uh, couple ways the Broncos can go here as well, so it'll be interesting to see what they do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. John Elway's not the type to reach on talent, and um, but he might have to on a quarterback. And uh, Connor Cook, I think if you're going to start a guy right away, Connor Cook is that obvious guy. I just don't think that would be a good decision to force that. So I tend to think they're going to go another direction, maybe defensive line, restock that defensive line a little bit. Um, Offensive line could certainly see interior offensive line as well. They need some help at guard and center. They could use long-term help at tackle, possibly. Um, They they really could go a lot of ways. This is going to be a fascinating situation to watch out for them, just because I, I have no clue what their plan is at quarterback. And last but
0: not least, the team without a first-round pick, but now with back-to-back picks at the end of round two after the trade with the Cardinals, the New England Patriots. And why yeah. talk about team needs? Because it's Bill Belichick, <laughs> Tom Brady. God knows what they're gonna do anyway. But uh, I mean, Burke listed their needs. Biggest needed corner. He also mentioned D end offensive tackle and running back. Offensive tackle, I can see two of them picking up at some point. Uh, you know, like we mentioned with the Panthers in the Super Bowl, Patriots tackles got obliterated in the AFC Championship, specifically Marcus Cannon. It was just ugly for that offensive line. But uh, with
1: those back-to-back picks,
0: that'll be a uh, that'll be something to watch at the end of round two.
1: Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't actually don't think cornerback's a need for them. Um, they've got a deep group of kind of veteran players, and they make it work. They're not overly talented. Malcolm Butler's good, but that's about it. But they're not bad either. Um, so I don't think that they're going to invest highly into a cornerback yet. I think they're going to go defensive front seven. I think they're going to probably go pass rusher, maybe even an edge rusher and middle linebacker. They've got to get a middle linebacker. They've got Jonathan Freeney. Uh, supposed to start next year. Um, he's terrible. He's a special teamer, so he's not a long-term option. Um, even a, He's not even a 2016 option to start, so maybe a guy like Josh Perry out of Ohio State, Kentrell Brothers out of Missouri. Uh, those guys would make a lot of sense, and then maybe a, another defensive lineman uh, to help take the place of Chandler Jones. And with that,
0: we've covered all 32 teams. Kind of breezed through them, but Got some good talk in there, so... Uh,
1: yeah, and it's not necessarily the names that are important. Yeah. Um, it's great if we can get the names right, um, but that's very difficult to do. Uh, I think what's more important is the the positions, is that we're properly identifying positions and schemes, um, and I think we've done a really good job of that.
0: And with that, I think it's a good spot to wrap it up. Yep. I think... Uh, we're ready. We're oh yeah, ready for the show to begin.
1: For sure, best three day event ever. Um, yeah, I actually I missed the two day event that it used to be, but but I am very excited nonetheless for this three days, and and I think we're gonna see a lot of great stuff happen, and and hopefully your guys' teams out there have a great weekend, and I won't be rooting for your teams; I'll be rooting for my team, and <laughs> <laughs> selfishly, but uh, I am very excited for. Uh, to see how, how this draft plays out, and, and excited to see where guys land.
0: Yeah, the nice thing for the Eagles is, you know, for all the Eagles fans out there, not like you have to be on pins and needles wondering who they're going to pick. I think it's pretty set in stone who they're going to go with. Uh, I
1: yeah, <laughs> I think you're right on that one. we <laughs> <You're laughs> go with the, the red-headed child from uh, North Dakota. That's right.
0: So with that, we will uh, sign off for now. Enjoy the draft, everyone. Uh, of course, next week, when, or whenever we return, we'll certainly wrap up what went down with the draft, who did good, who... Eh. It's always tough to grade drafts after, but we'll do our best. Uh, so th- thanks, Ian, as always, for another fine week. And until next time, Bill Rossetti saying thanks for listening, guys, and take care,
1: everybody.